Mike. Steve. You know, while we're writing season two of The Last Resort, what we should really do with our time is we could discuss the characters' favourite movies. I- interesting concept, Steve, because I like movies and, well, you like movies and our characters like movies too. Then it's settled. The Last Resort Movie Club is born. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bad Scripts Presents The Last Resort Movie Club. Joining me as ever, the industrious Mr. Mike Garlia. Mike, wonderful to have you with me as always. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you, Steve. It's going to be an interesting episode. This one (laughs) slightly out of step from from previous ones, but keeping within the realms of 70s and 80s style movies. So lot to uh, talk about on this one, isn't there? Yeah, a 1981 classic, which um, when I use the term classic, classic, I'm not I'm not using it as in the classic, like classic Turner movies. Um, I'm more thinking in the classic um, porno movies. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, let's get into the discussion about the movie itself. And, and, and obviously, first of all, we need to... Um, we need to introduce whose favourite movie this is as well. So this week, we're going to be discussing Wayne's favourite movie. Now, this was always going to be not as, um, should we say, artistic as some might like. Wayne isn't the sort of character that's uh, watching French cinema and, uh, you know, enjoying subtitles. So let's hear what Wayne had to say about the movie We've got coming up. Uh, right, is it on? Yeah, okay. Um, so my favourite film um, would probably be uh, Porky's, the original, not the sequels. It's, it doesn't quite translate once you've gone past that first one. This was a real groundbreaker for me. It showed me that, um, you know, guys can be guys, that you can insult people and that actually that's okay. You know, it's all in the realms of building stronger people and making um, your friends understand that what you do and how you treat them doesn't necessarily f- reflect how you feel about them. Okay, so that was uh, that was Wayne, uh, his opinion on the film we've got coming up. Um, Mike, um, do you have any any of your usual words of wisdom before we before we get into the movie? <laughs> Well, as usually the case, I do have the synopsis of the film, and I'm happy to to read that just to give the audience um, a bit of a listen. And and this is going to be one of those weird films where if you've seen it, you're going to remember it. But if you haven't seen it and you're listening to this, you might find it hard to try and find it because it's it, it's not that widely available, I don't think. Um, but... Porky's did come out in April of 1982. It spawned two sequels, which was Porky's 2 the next day and a film I remember from my childhood, which was Porky's 3, Porky's Revenge. And and without further ado, I shall read the synopsis. It's a very short one, this one. Four raucous high school students plot revenge on the redneck owner of a strip joint who upsets their hopes of losing their virginity. So not a lot in the synopsis. When you unpick that, four high school students who want to lose their virginity 
sounds a lot like a more modern movie, which I think this was the precursor to or the inspiration of American Pie. I think I think you're probably right. Yeah, um, I obviously watched this when I was much younger too. Uh, I don't think I'd seen American Pie at that point. I think I watched this before when I was probably way too young to watch this movie. And you know, similar to when we talked um, about Howard the Duck a few weeks ago, it's one of those movies that a lot of people saw when they were too young to see, and probably helped to shape their understanding of of. Uh, of human relationships, which is probably not a great thing, to be honest, because it's not the healthiest of movie in terms of, of any of that, you know, and I'm not just talking about, um, you know, male female relationships. I'm talking, you know, or, or romantic relationships of any nature. I'm talking about the interaction between friends because this, this movie, the, the relationships are quite toxic. They, they seem to be good friends, all of these people, but they constantly, beat on each other, prank each other, and try and get each other into to mischief. And I think the sort of opening gambit of this movie, where the, the guys decide that um, they're going to go and visit a, a, a prostitute, is precursed by um, some rather controversial language, you might say now. So the guys, bear in mind, let's, let's go back to the, this is set in 1954. Mike and and uh, uh, the go and uh, they're, they're talking. They arrive at high school and they're talking about part of this setup that they've managed to recruit somebody. What were your thoughts when this when you first watched this scene? Oh well, I fir- I first wrote down mild racism, which became full on um, racism. To be honest with you, in terms of what they were talking about, it wasn't being outwardly racist, but the language they were using um, is incredibly outdated, um, even for the 1980s but you've got to bear in mind the film set in the 1950s which again had different ideals mm-hmm. and stuff like that there was um, and, and I think even even covering so in in the late 70s and early 80s I don't know if you you know you know you you know connecting this together there was a flurry of kind of sex comedies that came out that were all set in the 1950s and the 1960s you had the wanderers that came out around the same time and largely it's the same kind of trope of guys trying to lose their virginity always centered on these they're either football players or they're basketball players or there's some kind of sports involved um the italians did it with a film called lemon popsicle that was their answer to it all as well um and what we got was porkies um um, and this is and sorry, yeah. We also had in the UK we had movies like the Confessions of movies. So I don't know if you ever saw our Confessions, confessions of a Window confessions, Cleaner, confessions, yeah, Confessions of a Window Cleaner, Confessions of a Driving Instructor, a Taxi yeah, Driver. They're all Confessions of yeah. a Pop Star, and they're, and they're all <laughs> yeah. So our own answer to all of that. Um, but Porky's, I think, was the most was the most popular. And you and you're right. Um, it opens um, with a teenager having a dream. And um, his mum starts calling, and as the camera pans down, he's got the quite a big. Um, what's the word? Morning yeah, glory. I think is yeah. the best uh, best yeah. way of putting. He's got it. up. Yeah, we, you know, we don't know what he's, he's dreaming up, about, but he's not got up <laughs> just yet. Um, <laughs> and and his mum walks in the room, and he flips over, and kind of what what can only assume is is crushing it, and um, and he's going ow ow, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, she basically says, get up for school, it's time for school. And that introduces our main character, Pee-wee, is his, is his name. And Pee-wee by name and Pee-wee by nature, I think, is the theme of the film itself. But you're right, we, we are introduced to all these, these 
characters which turn to be there's about seven yeah. of them um all largely look the same kind of are the same yeah the, i i struggled with that a little bit in terms of there was there was some clear definition so peewee he's a lot smaller than the others um one of the characters is called meat um he's a big guy uh in both stature and in girth apparently um a, a, allegedly so we're led to believe by the story he is cool. You like me. He, he plays it so cool. You can, you can tell he's like in his mid to late 30s and, um, playing it. Yeah, they all look <laughs> like they could easily be in their mid 30s. So when they get asked for ID in the bar, I mean, I know when, when, I've, been, when I've been to the States, I have, I, I was ID'd. I was in my mid 20s at that point, and, and it is a lot more stringent over there. But even so, these guys, some of them, you know, they, they had more of a receding hairline than I do, and that's saying something. So, you know, you kind of go, who are we trying to kid that these guys are like 17, 18? You know, this, 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 these guys are definitely older than that. Um, well, me is uh, he's a full blown man, is probably the best way of putting it. Well, he's, he is, he's a um, big man, he's not know, only just a man, is he? He's like a he's a unit, I think the term might be. Well, he was also in the what he was also in the Wanderers as well, like the actor that played him. Um, but where this girl, this random girl goes over to him and she says, you know, these. The, the girls are obviously playing a trick on her and she wants to know why um, why he's called meat and he, you know, suggests taking away to show her and these friends kind of step in and it's a bit of a joke mm. and stuff. But because she looks so young and he looks mm. so old... It's a lot <laughs> creepy. Kind of like, it seems going? creepier than it should, doesn't it? It's like, yo. It's not quite behind the bike sheds um, kind of thing, is it? But... but Pee Wee does something I've never done. Now, I'm putting this out there because I don't know if you've done it as well, Stephen. You know, we've always entered this podcast and we've always been reasonably honest um, about our previous life and shenanigans. Pee Wee um, takes a, um, a ruler and he measures his, his boner. And then under his bed, he has a chart where he's charting it and was upset that he's a few inches shorter than he was previously. Inches, wow. Steve. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. That's I don't some, know what the metric system. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, the... so I mean, it would have been imperial <laughs> measurements like that. But, but even so, if you're losing inches, that that's worrying. That's really worrying. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, did you ever do any um, any you know rule and measure? I, I, I think it is a rite of passage that you you. I mean, I used to tape measure rather than a ruler, but um, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm jesting, of course. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was those party ones you get in in Christmas crackers. Um, I was going to say, I didn't want to, you know, I, I was yeah, going to say that's that. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, I think, as as a as growing up as a a young man, it is something that you do because there's always going to be that sense of, am I normal? How do I match up? Do I meet expectations? Um, you know, should it be tickling my knee? I don't know. Um, this is this is just um, just the way it is. Um, so I, yeah, Pee Wee does measure and then wonders what's going on, and and you do wonder right through the film. You wonder whether does he really have any, um, should we say, shortcomings, or is this just a joke? But I think he genuinely is considered to have a little pecker. He he is the he's, he's the proto proto Jason Biggs character in American Pie. He's essentially almost the same character. Um, 
Whereas the obviously Jason Biggs, he's, you know, it's obviously based in the nineties, and you know, thinking has changed, but he's essentially almost the same thing. And if you think about it, you've got Me Too is like the jock of uh, the bunch. You've got the I don't know his name. You've got the tall guy who's like the brains behind the operation. Um, so you, th- there's definitely a trope at play here. Um, and then we're introduced to all these other characters as well. So the the bit that Steve talked to earlier around um, it, uh, it, that, that involves some some racism, some racist language, um, talking about a prank they want to play on their friends, um, which involves going to this prostitute's yeah. house. Um, yeah, so they they basically or, or shack. <laughs> it is a shack in the woods, isn't it? And and you kind of go, well, okay. So I think what the premise was here was that all five of them um, were going up to this thing and they were going to pay between them for this prostitute. Um, and what they would do is they would take turns. So I think that they go through a process at one point of going um, first, sloppy seconds. Was it dirty thirds or filthy fourths? It was. It was pretty <laughs> awful. Yeah. Just the imagery that that brought. It to was me well was... thought through. Yeah, it was, it was well thought through. Uh, by the way, all these guys are getting naked as well. They're all sitting there, infinitely naked, in this random shack in the middle of the woods. In um, well, what is the south? Really, isn't it? It's the 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 kind of south region of America. Um, and two two of the guys go in. To um to to partake, and they uh, and then they end up mirroring the noises and stuff like that, and all the lads outside can hear, and they're all giggling and stuff, and they're, they're doing the squeaking noises, and the and the woman who who is I was she I don't know if she was a prostitute or not. I, it's difficult to know, but we were missing the part where she's introduced to them all, and she goes along the line of the naked guys, and then like checks them for VD. Let's see if they've got any sexually transmitted diseases by basically just holding the, their balls and getting them to cough. And they're so naive, they believe this is a genuine thing that should happen. Um, and and like you said, then the, the sex noises start from the other room and we're to, led to believe that the two guys who have organised this had been up there last week and done this so they didn't need checking. And then you hear them in the back room, like you say, the noises coming out of that room appear to be that of... Um, of a menage a trois. Um, and then when we see inside, we see that actually that's that's all fake. And, and the lady in the lingerie, we won't call her a prostitute because we don't know whether she genuinely is or not, um, is faking sex noises and then gets the other guys to join in. In the meantime, a rather large uh, black gentleman comes in through the window um, and they start to pour blood all over a machete and blood all over one of the guys. Like fake blood, uh, or pig's blood, or something, um, and then we then the screaming starts, and then the shouting and the hollering, and then one of them bursts into the room with all the naked guys in, collapses to the floor, um, and then the very very tall and very scary looking black gentleman with with gold teeth storms in with the bloody machete, and you've never seen five guys shit themselves so quickly and dive out of a window. Uh, and, and and run away quite as fast. Now, they run away really quickly, but Pee Wee seems to go off faster and further than anybody. Uh, and the other guys seem to realise that this isn't real, it's a prank, because everyone's laughing. Um, but Pee Wee keeps going and runs off into the bayou, it looks like. 
Um, and then we then we sort of flick back to uh, flick back to um, a police car, I believe. At that point, Mike. Do you yeah, that, and let's not forget the, uh, the. I suppose the black guy that comes in uh, to do the prank, he knows them. He knows one of the characters, but he is killing himself as well. He before it even happens and they're doing the blood, he is just cracking up uh, with laughter, um, which uh, which again, laughter is infectious, as we know, and mm-hmm. um, and you have a little chuckle and and, and yeah, um, I think it's one of the characters' brothers uh, picks him up in a in a police car and and decides to take them back to. Um, what sounds like a really posh um, place um, that they live at. So there's, um, I think these are seen as the uh, the upper class of the area. Would that be about right? Yeah. I, I Angel think... Beach. Sorry, yes, I had to look that up. Yeah. Um, Angel Beach is the name of the place they, they, yeah. they live and stuff. And, I, I, um, I don't and think... Porky's is on the wrong side of town. Uh, well, you say the wrong side of town. It's 70 miles away, and they state that, that it's 70 miles away. And we'll get on to why that's a bit of a problem for me in terms of this story when we when we get a bit further on. But um, yeah, so one of their brothers is a policeman, one of their older brothers, and we see him in his car and he, they're just driving along going, it's going to be a quiet night. Um, I think one of them says, I've got a feeling things are going to heat up. We don't know why. There's, that's never explained why he thinks that's <laughs> going to happen. But then all of a sudden they see a naked peewee walk running down the road. Um and, and that alerts us to the fact that something's kicking off. So um, then the next thing we see is um, is them turning up back at the shack with. Um... Oh, no, they go to the diner, don't they? I'm, 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 uh, they're, they're all all the other guys end up at the diner having a laugh and a joke about it and saying, oh, you really got us there. Oh, you gits. Um, and then the police car turns up with um, with Pee Wee wearing an oversized police shirt because he's completely naked still under um, and going, you guys, you left me. And, and having a bit of an argument, um, which is a, it's a bizarre turn of affairs, but I guess it's just that whole pranking thing, isn't it? They're supposed to show how, how they're all friends, but they prank and, you know, wind each other up. And uh, yeah. And then, uh, then we're introduced to, to Tommy. So uh, the police officer is uh, Tommy's, brother Mm -hmm. and tommy throughout the film seems to have a bit of a death wish or some kind of screw loose he's a bit of a chip on his shoulder hasn't he yeah but he keeps making the same decisions and doing the same things and getting exactly the same results which we'll we'll come on to (laughs) because he's the reason why these boys end up 70 miles away at this backwater redneck bar called porky's yeah so they get they get the idea that they're gonna you know they still want to lose their they still want to get some, you know. I think that's the that's the key. These guys are obsessed with getting laid, aren't they? And um, it's it's key to them. Um, so let's talk about that obsession to getting laid um, for a moment, because let's focus in on the school. So we have the. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this. I've never seen more gym teachers at a school <laughs> before in my entire life. There are there is literally more gym teachers in this school than there is um, students. <laughs> it does feel that way, doesn't it? Uh, you've got you've got a coach and uh, the female two assistant you've got the coaches. Coach, yep, two assistant coaches and and, and Kim Cattrall, who uh, who appeared Kim in Cattrall, last week's episode, okay. obviously a mannequin, is is in this episode too. And um, yeah, she plays like a. a 
uh, is it a gymnastics assistant? Miss Honeywell. She, yeah. she plays Miss Honeywell. Yeah. Um, and she's referenced as Lassie quite a few times, which we'll come on to. Yeah. Um, but the, the big character I want to talk about is Miss Ball Bricker, or Ms. Ball Breaker, yeah. as they call her. Miss Ball Breaker. Yeah. So she is the, um, she's the female coach. Yes. A rather, rot- yes. Ro- rather rotund lady. Um of larger stature, built a, a little bit like a barrel, isn't she? So she looks like she's solid, like if you punched her in the stomach, your hand would hurt. Um, but she reminds me of, you know, she reminds me of um, um, Miss Trunchbull from Matilda, that very much that stern, scary woman thing going on there. Kind of resting, resting bitch face type type look, you know. Yeah, it looks like she, she's wrestled a few times in her life. I think that that's definitely yeah um, the and, vibe. And, yeah. From from the school's perspective, then she's like the you know she's the, she's the foil to the boys' shenanigans. She's the one keeping an eye out. Because um, what was interesting as well is there's quite a few male gym coaches or gym teachers, and they're all talking about the female students um, as well, and all the female and they're just kind of perving on them and stuff like that as the camera <laughs> kind of pans by. It's really inappropriate, isn't it? It's like. Oh dear, that leaves a bit of a dodgy taste in your mouth. And obviously, uh, one of the coaches then refers to Miss Honeywell and her uh, reputation and her nickname of Lassie um, and starts convincing one of the other coaches that he would have a very good time with her if he got her into the storeroom upstairs. Um, Is it the men's locker room? I thought it was the I thought it was the storeroom, the little the towel room. Locker room. Well, and uh, so that's the the conversation they have anyway around that. And he seems to that seems to pique his interest, doesn't it? And uh, and then he does he does eventually sort of t- take her out on a few dates and have a, a sort of a uh, a romantic tryst with her, but he he doesn't seem to get anywhere. Um, he says, uh, you know, I'm not getting anything, not even a kiss. So um, that that progresses. But um, let's get back to our main characters. So they they're all there too. And when when the gym finishes, what would you normally do when you've you've finished your gym workout? Well, naturally, you would go and get dressed and um, and remain stinky all day. Or if you're not like that, you would go for a shower. So if you're going for a shower, what would you do? Would you go for a shower yourself or would you run around to a boiler room, uh, lift up some pipes and stare into the girls' change, uh, shower room uh, and perv on the girls in, in the showers completely but naked? Well, this scene comes around a couple of times in the mm. film, doesn't it? So the first time they do it, but they're just a bit too late and they don't really see anything. This is mm. the girls leaving. Yeah. Um, and that's the first time we're introduced to the... And it's a very famous... Um, basement scene actually which we'll come on to because it happens mm. um a little bit later into the movie which for me it was the scene afterwards was a standout scene for me that was the bit that, that actually made me laugh a little bit yeah um but um yeah they they they're perving on the girls um the girls are none the wiser and and the girls are headed by this um this student called wendy and it's alluded to that wendy and peewee had a date and mm-hmm. he you know they were they were making out, and when she reached down, he was already wearing um, a condom, and <laughs> so that so she wants to get him back and, and retaliate, which is your giant condom that you're talking about. They mm-hmm. they 
somehow find a giant, and I mean a life-size, a, a man-sized, yeah, prophylactic, and throw <laughs> it at him. And he seems quite taken with it, to be yeah. perfectly honest. They try and put it over um, his head at like... one point. <laughs> they do. And funnily enough, the second film we covered with a with a condom, we've had Howard the Duck's condom, and <laughs> now we've got this big giant one as well. So there's and and the second film with Kim Cattrall in it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, <laughs> there's well, definitely there's something a, tying these together. There's a pattern. There's a pattern emerging. <laughs> there certainly is. So after all of that, they they're having no luck, and um, the character, as I said, um, Tommy convinces the boys to drive seventy miles into the uh, the Florida marshlands to go to this strip joint called Porky's. Now. I don't know about you, Steve, of whether you really thought about this. So Porky is a character. It's the, it's the name of, of the owner, and it's uh, and he, the, the, the place is named after him. Mm-hmm. To have a whole film named after you, he's not in it a lot, is he? No, and I think it is the, it's the mythos, isn't it? It's that kind of, this is such a, like a famous place to go to see girls in not and and essentially it's it's kind of a lap dancing slash sex club really um and it's alluded to before they even go that the local police station is right next door to porkies and that's you know and saying look they 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 um you know we we see we hear that right away we don't understand the relevance of it but it is it's alluded to straight away um, but Porky is, yeah, he's the the large gentleman who owns the establishment and sits up in his office out of the way doing his thing. And the guys go up there, don't they? And they turn up and they've got, what, like $100, um, which, bearing in mind, in 1954 was not a small sum of money, you know. Um, but like you said, I don't think these guys are, are particularly poor because they all drove very nice cars for high school kids. They were all driving very nice sort of hot rods, um, real cool riders. The, the parallels to American Pie when they live in such a nice area in Chicago as well, right mm. on the lake, you know, and all this kind of stuff is, it's abs- it, it, it's immense. But, you know, the doorman asked them for ID and they kind of, they managed to waggle their way in and, uh, and go straight to the bar, you know, and mm. if I was Porky, I'd be firing that doorman because Porky has a very different mindset to these, these kids being in his venue. Um, it's, it's a funny it? one, isn't it? Because it is a sleazy ish place, right? The doorman you think would be working under his orders because he seems to be very much in control, but they, they so he's so like, whatever, just go in the doorman is. But then when they go to the bar, that's fine. He, everyone's fine with them being in there. The strippers are like, um, give, me a, give me a dollar and I'll show you my boobs. And so Pee Wee does it and stuff. And, and it isn't until they demand to speak to Porky's. Now, that, uh, Porky. now that might, be, might have been the problem all along because the bartender says, you pay me. I think if they'd have just paid the bartender, they may well have got what they wanted. But because <laughs> because he demands to speak to Porky and do business directly with him, I think Porky's so lazy that he's pissed off that he has to come all the way downstairs to speak to some snot-nosed punk about no, totally. having totally. having some girls. And and the hundred dollars, he's like, What, all five of you for a hundred dollars? 
So they come to the east side says, right, you can have two girls for an hour or three girls for half an hour. And they come to the arrangement, three girls for half an hour. And then Porky's like, right, go through that door over there. And then you can go to what they call the pig pen, which I'm assuming is the rooms where they where they uh, could sleep the girls. I mean, it's never we never really know whether that actually exists or whether it's just a myth ar- around this place. Just a, just a made up thing. But did you not know it? So there's a, I've, there's a couple of observations I've got to speak about when we're first introduced to Porky. So we see him from the kind of, um, I suppose, the mid waist down. And I don't know if you noticed this, but when he comes out of his office and, and you hear the clunk, clunk, clunk down the stairs, there's loads of pig snorting in the background <laughs> as he's walking down the stairs. And um, so, you know he was leading with that but i've got to say there's like a honky tonk band playing as well a proper redneck band but why is someone dragging a midget i don't get that bit yeah it's 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 very odd isn't it i mean there's what you mean on the on the stage where they're well no it's like they were like the horses and he was like the rider wasn't he? he was like the um yeah he had the reins there it was very strange why a person of small stature was required in there i think they were just making it weird kinky shit because this is the <laughs> 50s and they wanted to make it weird and kinky and to to show the debauchery within this venue they wanted to show you know there's all this strange stuff going on and, and blah, blah blah not just strange stuff steve but also um okay so if i was in that and i was observing what was around me in that bar they had a lot of weapons. They had full-size machine guns and a GPMG, yeah. okay, which is military-grade weapons. Yeah. Um, I would be looking to get out there as quickly as possible. But these boys don't seem to have any common sense or any sense of danger or, or what's going to happen around them. But then that's because they're boys, I guess. That's what you'd have to say is they are none the wiser that this sort of thing doesn't exist in this kind of a place, you know? So... They just it could just be that it's set dressing, you know, when you go to places um, and you go to bars. We've all been to bars with bicycles on the walls. It just happens this one has some machine guns, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah and I and Porky convinces them, right, OK, we'll do a deal then. You go through that door and wait and then you'll hear a knock and you go through to the upstairs through the back route. And what he actually does is pulls a lever and drops them through a trapdoor into the um, bayou, as it looks below. Yeah, um, that's right. He gets rid of them. He kicks them out. Yeah, basically, he takes their money and kicks them out. And and they're not happy about that, as you wouldn't be, because, like I say, $100 in 1954 was a lot of money. Um, so they kind of kick off and, and, and want their money back, and there's a bit of an argument ensues, and then the police arrive. And so the guys are like, oh, this is great. We'll get it sorted because the police are here now and the police, my brother's a police officer, different jurisdiction, but, you know, truth and justice will prevail. Um, but the police officer is a bit of a dick, the local police officer, and he, he then proceeds to tell them that, you know, they're going to end up with a fine because of their broken headlight. Um, and they're like, what broken headlight? And then he proceeds to smash one of the headlights and one of the taillights. And, um, and threatens to find them about 30, 30-something dollars, which I think is the last of the money they had. Um, and it turns out, we find out afterwards, that the police officer is uh, Porky's brother. Porky's brother, yeah. They, they keep it in their family. Um, yep, yeah, and they go home with their tail between their legs, really, don't they? Yeah, quite literally. I think, you know, all of the... Not just Porky, though, is it? It's like every all of his staff and all of his customers 
are all laughing at these kids and going, ha, 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 we've done you, off you go, son, don't come back. They're not future-focused. They're not They're thinking not. about their customers of tomorrow. Yeah. They're really not. But look, we, we go back to, to Porky's a few times, except for Tommy. Tommy can't seem to leave it and regularly keeps going back to Porky's to get beaten up. Is yeah, what I took does. away from, from the subsequent scenes. He keeps turning up, beaten up, because he keeps going back there for some reason. And uh, I don't know why. But the, the, key, and the key thing for, for me on that is when he gets back from being beaten up, right, he gets back to seeing all his friends, and he's in such a state that he's collapsing. But somehow he's had to drive 70 miles. And we're not talking highway driving. This is back road driving. There's no way he's doing 70 miles an hour on these roads. So he's driving for a good hour, hour and a half here, right? In bits and then then collapses when he gets back on more than one occasion. And never thinks to take anybody with him, but still I, I, persists just, to do the it. The guy's got a death wish because he gets, <laughs> he gets beaten. And I think his brother, who is obviously a sheriff, is getting really, really worried yeah. for him as well and keeps saying look stop doing this but then he kind of falls out with his brother and he's not happy with him and the friends are falling out with him as well and like stop going back there um but he just can't seem to let it go they lost a hundred dollars he never got laid he you know he wants his comeuppance Mm, absolutely and all this time we're getting little scenes of of strange bigotry and um sort of racist religious hatred you know, the, the, the Jewish character gets into a fight with one of the other guys because he's Jewish and he keeps getting called names, but he turns out to be a bit of a taekwondo expert and so he kicks the shit out of the guy that threatens him. And there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of strange stuff goes off. One of the characters' dads appears to be out of prison um, and, and just likes to beat on him and, and treat him like crap. So it doesn't paint a great picture of this place, you know. It doesn't feel like a lovely place to be. It doesn't feel like a childhood at all. Um, this very much feels like the school of hard knocks all of a sudden, despite what seems like quite a well-to-do area. So it's a bit of a weird juxtaposition. They cover they 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 cover a lot of um, they cover a lot of different things um, in this film. To be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, and but you're you're right. Um, that that kind of um, What's the, what's the right word? Um, bigotry yeah. is, is you know, it, it does exist through the film. Uh, but again, I mean, the person, the persecutor doing that becomes friends with the person he's doing it to when he realises that, you know, you're, you're just a guy, you're just a kid making your way and we're actually got a lot in common and, and they mm. become friends, you know. And that's where they hatch this plan to uh, seek their revenge on Porky's as, as, a, as a group of boys. Um, All of the meantime, but again, though, in the meantime... yeah. They've gone back to staring at the girls in the locker room. They've well, gone... this is where this is this is the famous scene, isn't it? This mm. is so. Um, if I may, um, they they managed to get in there this time, and there's about half a dozen girls um, all showering, and and Pee Wee um, is not having the best look, and his view is obscured by by a lady of a, of a of a bigger stature, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets so frustrated that he ends up shouting through the peephole at her to move. And she looks quite quite scared. She doesn't know what's going on. She leaves. Um, I'm presuming to go and get Miss um, Ballbreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the rest of the girls stay and decide to uh, have a bit of fun. I said, Tease I, the boys a little bit, don't they? Tease the boy. That's right. And um, and I think um, which character is it? Is it Billy? Um, Billy's the one 
who it is. It's Billy. Mm-hmm. Billy's the one that decides to to just take it. There's always one in a group of boys. <laughs> I don't know if you found this. There's always one that just takes it a bit too far. I think <laughs> I think that was always me, wasn't it, Mike? That was the one that always took it a bit too just, far. There's, there's always one. Yeah, and you think don't don't this is not going to end well. Um, well, Billy decides to stick his knob through the peephole, um, just yes. as Miss Breaker walks in, and um, and the girls skedaddle, and he's got his wanger in there, and he's like, "Hey, come on, ladies, come and grab a piece of this." Um, rather than Miss Ballbreaker just saying, "What are you doing? Please remove that," in her moment of madness, she decides to grab it and 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 try it. What I'm, what I'm presuming she's doing is trying to pull him through the wall from his, from his, from his member. <laughs> by her, by his, I think she's trying member. to, she's trying um, to stop him from getting away, um, but she's holding him by the penis. Now, that that seems like a truly terrifying thing. That if your teacher uses both hands to hold your penis through a wall, then you've made some dodgy life choices, and 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 this isn't this isn't a place you want to be in. Um, I, I have another theory about that, Steve. I, you know, we we um, and and again, this is this is getting quite lewd and crude, but um, this could have been the original inspiration behind the glory hole. Well, uh, you know, I think they probably existed way before that. To be honest, <laughs> I think they were just using that uh, as a uh, as a thing. But eventually, he manages to, in inverted commas, wriggle free um, and get away from that. But and he, she doesn't know categorically who it was she can't prove who it was but she did get a good look at his penis so and it's, it's a, the scene that follows though, oh, that it's incredible it's probably the funniest scene in the whole movie it's the funniest scene because it's the guys it's the gym so there's two gym teachers there is the what, what the dean i think is it or the, 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 head, the principal, the and principal the, yeah the principal and he's an elderly gentleman who looks like uh, he's got a kind of nervous disposition it he's, looks he's, like. i think he's english as well which He's never explained as to why this English guy is is the principal of this uh, American high school in uh, and um, you know in Angel Beach, um, and he's just listening to uh, Miss Balbrecher um, talking about how she wants to line up a group of young lads and get them to show her their penises because she recognised a mole on one of them. And she knows she believes she knows who it was. And she, she believes wants, it's Billy's. Yeah, she wants she to calls Billy's him out. Yeah. And she says She said it's Billy's. I'd recognize that penis anywhere. Exactly. And all the time when she's explaining this, the coaches are trying to stifle their laughs, but doing it and it's so convincing, it's so real, because they're they're trying their best not to laugh. But you know what it's like when you're not supposed to laugh and you're one of those situations and you're with somebody like, you know, we've been there, Mike, me and you. And you're trying, you can't look at each other because that's just making it worse. And she says things like, put him in a room with four of the guys. You pick, I don't care who they are, random four of the guys. And, you know, that you can cover their heads with sacks if you want so, to save their <laughs> embarrassment, but I just need to see their penises. And the whole time these coaches are just dying. And eventually she, she says, I don't think you're taking this seriously, principal. And he bursts out laughing as well. And it's genuinely like the silliest scene. But, you know, if you do get the chance to watch this movie, it is um, very, very funny and well worth it. It's the scene that saves the film because even I was laughing, to be honest with you. Because um, <laughs> she plays it so deadpan. Yeah. And she's, she's just she's so serious. And she's like, I'm going to find this Billy. I know him. That's his penis. I recognize the mole. 
mm-hmm. on it. I need to see it again so I can confirm this. Um, you got to help me out with this one. And she comes up with three different ideas. And, and the one you just spoke about is probably the biggest one. But mm-hmm. he's seen the, the, the guys in the background and then the principal trying to hold it together. And yeah. then he just bursts out laughing. And she says, I get the feeling you're not taking this seriously. <laughs> and they just break apart when she says that. And they're just absolutely killing themselves laughing. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so probably the one scene that saved the film for me that, yeah. that was that was the standout for me on that one. Yeah. And so they hatch the plan that they're gonna go back to Porky's and they're gonna and they're gonna exact their revenge now because um after the um the dance, they all go to um uh, wait, did we did we forget the lassie scene? We we did. I suppose we should really talk about that. So we should really cover cover Kim Cattrall's um, lassie scene, scene as, as Miss Honeywell. Yeah, because that that the boys are all playing basketball. Um, I think it follows directly after the uh, the glory hole mm. um, scene, doesn't it? Well, um, the the gym teacher that's dating her finally coaxes her into the storeroom locker room, and she goes mental over a over a dirty used jock strap, mm. like mental and she's like the it's like something it's like an aphrodisiac to it. it's like something happens to her when she's in this room this mm. the dirty smell of sweat and and and, and Groin. boy smells yeah just drives her nuts and he does not waste any time exploiting that situation mm-hmm. and so they become intimate very quickly and she is very vocal and and then we understand how she earns the nickname lassie because she howls like a dog as they are are uh, mid coitus, it, it kind of starts like a yap, doesn't it? Yeah. It starts at a yap and then and then turns into a howl, and then the boys are all in this basketball game and they can't concentrate because they're all laughing and yeah. they can't pass the ball around and stuff like that. And all you can hear is yep, yep, yep. You know, and she's like, oh, I tip my hat to King Control. Uh, it must have been one of her very first movies that she'd she'd ever done, mm. um, and. Um, he, he even stuffs um, a dirty jockstrap jock in her mouth, which I think makes it a little... But he holds it there worse. with his own Can you face. Imagine? He holds it in her mouth with <laughs> his own does. face, which to me was like, <laughs> there's a limit, man. There's a limit, you know? That's a, no, that's a big no-no right there. That's a big no-no. Um, and and that's, that's... If we're talking about the film as a whole, that's probably about it for the, for the dirty, smutty side of it. Because before we get into the kind of finale when they exact their revenge on Porky's, I remember it being much dirtier than it actually is. It's not that, it's not, it's not that, that no. uh, rude. No. And I think this is a retrospective look back with, with, with our eyes now as adults, you know, when we were kids, there was very little sex and um, violence on TV. You know, you didn't see the stuff you see now. There wasn't a game of Thrones with people, doing rude things all the time and, and you know, um, boobs out everywhere and penises flopping around um, for good measure. Um, it was very much like the odd glimpse on something like this film. And so it creates a bit of a, a mythology around it that that it's ruder than it actually is. And it was probably a lot of it was to allow it to get its um, its rating. It would have they would have cut certain elements out to to be R rather than X-rated and things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't as dirty as I expected it to be. And I don't know, you know, I mean, we'd have to watch the sequels again to understand whether or not that was genuinely 
Uh, well, before the worse. end of the show, rem- yeah, before the end of the show, remind me, and I'll read the synopsis for the two sequels right. as well um, to, towards the end because I think yeah. it's worth covering those two those yeah. two films. Well, we're, we're, we're getting towards that point now, anyway. So let's uh, yeah, let's are, crack yeah. on. Um, so they hatch, hatch a plan to take revenge on Porky, and it it's a weird one because they don't really struggle <laughs> with the plot. <laughs> it just happens all very quickly and. Um, I don't know about you, but you know, even if I was running a raucous bar, if somebody starts chainsawing the legs off my building, um, I guess I kind of hear it. Or you're gonna hear it. Somebody gonna, outside, gonna, no, some for, of the security sure guys are gonna notice that the legs are being sawn down, and then they get explosives as well, don't they? So it's kind of a weird situation. I don't know where they get all the yeah, I don't know where they get the explosives from. Yeah. Um, because what I mean, look. These are teenage boys, right? They are sawing the legs. It's over a bio. They're sawing the, the stilt legs off this building. They're also putting explosives on there. They're going to kill people. Yeah. They're gonna, there's going to be death here. And you know what the most worrying thing is? That the older brother of the cop has come with them and partaken in this. <laughs> He's <laughs> happy right. to join in. He, he is because they beat, they're beating his brother up a bunch of times. Yeah. So he wants to... Um, and... he wants he wants to, Despite the fact Tommy keeps going back there to get beaten up. Yeah. But also the coach, the one who's been with Lassie, he is there too because he said, "Oh yeah, I got. I'm only 23, and I got um, I got ripped off by Porky um, two years <laughs> yeah, ago." Right. So he goes with them too. It's like, what, where's all this coming from? I don't understand. So the, he, obviously they have an increase in numbers. They go and they they set this trap and they say, "You know, we're gonna we're gonna do this," and they basically destroy Por- Porky's bar. And then the chase ensues, and they chase them all the way back to Angel Beach. But this is the point where Porky, so angry, doesn't realise he's out of his jurisdiction. He can't, you know, his his brother having the police. They were quite clever in this. They get out of the point where they have any jurisdiction whatsoever, and that's when um, the older brother, the cop, starts to. Um, you know, return the favour with regards to the vehicle and the and the fines and smashing up the um, the car, and they basically send Porky running away with his tail between his legs. Um, quite literally, quite literally. But I can't help but think this is really short sighted that somebody of that power would you know would be thinking of a way to get his revenge, and maybe that's what the third movie leads us to, but. It um, it does feel very short-sighted in really pissing off somebody like that. Sometimes it's best to just learn your lesson and stay away, but they don't, well, if and we, they still do if that. If we take a step back, he Porky, Porky, what they've just done is destroy Porky's business and his livelihood, mm-hmm. is, is what they've done. These spoiled boys from the posh end of, of town have, um, have gone over there. Now, Porky's minding his own business. He didn't ask them to come over. He doesn't ask Tommy to keep coming over. All right, he keeps beating him up, but we don't know what Tommy's doing. Um, and so to get their revenge because they couldn't get laid, they destroy his business. Mm. Um, I mean, he does rip them off. Now, let's yes, not it's forget. a screwball film. It's a yeah. comedy film, and I'm looking into it way too deep, as I do on all of these <laughs> podcasts. But when you really frame it like that, it just kind of like, it, there's almost arson in there. There's explosives. <laughs> it's yeah. just... But it's let's not like forget that wrong here. The, the, the joy is that that um, that Pee Wee does eventually get laid with his uh, with the girl he had dated for a little bit before, despite the condom being too small for him, too big for Wendy. him. Wendy, yeah, with Wendy, 
and uh, with you know, Wendy Williams, he manages to um, break his duck and uh, uh, and gets laid. So all is well with the world, and even um, even the young lad whose dad is abusive uh, eventually stands up to him and sends him on his merry way and tells him he that's right. Nothing more we to never do with co- him. We, ne- we, we we never covered that at all, did we? So his dad is um, this mean biker who, who's, who looks in his forties yeah. and. Um, He's just out of prison and yeah, typical that. cliche. Yeah, we talked oh, about right, that. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, um, so that's, uh, yeah, so he's, he gets his comeuppance there. So there's kind of a sort of, sort of a coming of age element in there about, you know, that whole kind of standing up for yourself and, and, and becoming a man, you know, across the whole breadth of it. But it, you know what, it was silly and it was fun and it was a coming of age comedy. Um, and, you know what? Despite its crudeness and outdated um, references, um, I, I did enjoy it um, more than I thought I would. I thought it would be too tasteless, but actually, I think I enjoyed the banter between the guys a little bit more. Yeah. Than, well, uh, let than me let me read the uh, let me let me read the synopsis of, of Porky's two and Porky's three then Go before you it. before you give your score because yeah. Porky's one came out in in 1982 as we know. Uh, they fast-tracked Porky's 2 into 1983, uh, a year later. And then Porky's Revenge, the third in the trilogy, came out two years after that. Um, so from the first film to the third film, there's kind of, what, two to three years of playing Yeah, there. well, I think, so, I think it was made in 81 because um, that's yeah. what it says on the thing, but I think it was probably released um, and in by, by Porky's Revenge, the guy that plays Meat... He looks about fifty-two. <laughs> <laughs> he ages really quickly, um, and he probably is about then as well. So um, here is the uh, the overview for Porky's Two: The Next Day. Pee Wee and his trouble-seeking teen friends are up to more antics in this um, raucous sequel. When an overzealous reverend and his followers target an upcoming Shakespeare festival for being indecent, Pee Wee and the boys proved to be surprisingly supportive of the arts as they turn the tables on the pious group. Also contending with the Ku Klux Klan and a shifty politician, the mischievous crew even finds time to take on stern gym, te- gym teacher, Miss Ballbreaker. Um, mm-hmm. No word of Porky's in there. So no. um, although it's called Porky's too, I don't think Porky appears in that particular film. And then the overview for for Porky's Revenge, which is the one I remember as a kid. So I never actually saw one and two. The one I used to watch was this this third one as, as a kid, which I should never have been watching. Mm-hmm. It got the, So it started off, uh, the ratings in Porky's was about 6.1. It had quite relatively positive ratings. Mm-hmm. The second one was a straight five. This one's a 4.8 and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's gone down the way. So the wild sequel finds Edward Pee Wee Morris, Anthony Meet Tupperello and their Angel Beach High Buddies up to more adolescent mischief. The boy's nemesis, um, Porky, has returned to town and now operates a riverboat casino. While the teens figure out a way to expose Porky's latest corrupt venture, they must deal with lust, unexpected romance, academic woes, and athletic challenges, all leading up to a chaotic finale. Now, I do remember this, right, because it, it Porky's re- actually opens on a dream sequence with Pee Wee, where he's graduating from high school, and someone steps on his graduation robe and he steps out of it and it rips off him, but he's completely and utterly naked. Right. And then everybody in the school see him completely naked. It 
ends with the same scene, but for real, mm-hmm. and they all get naked during their graduation ceremony. Okay. <laughs> the same thing happens. Someone steps on it and it rips off and he's completely and utterly naked apart from his socks. Mm-hmm. And then I think other guys just start taking their clothes off and that's where it ends. So maybe it's the solidarity <laughs> so- that they're showing there that we're not going to let our totally. friends. But, you know, that's... So the, que- that's the question is, based on the overview of Porky's 2, is that a film you want to watch? It's got Ku Klux Klan, dodgy politicians, and a pious reverend trying it, to break it, down Shakespeare. Do you know, it sounds a bit more like a cannibal run type movie by that point, doesn't it? It sounds much more like you're going to see, um, you know, um, Burt Reynolds come flying in with a, with a, a Stetson on or something. Um I think I'd I think I'd like to see them again purely out of a kind of strange curiosity, um, and I didn't think I'd seen the third one, but you know the whole Riverboat Casino thing seems really familiar to me now. So maybe maybe I have seen it, and and I just tried to put it out of my mind. But more importantly, Mike, I I, I think it's time that we get down to to ratings uh, and understanding what your thoughts were on. What is Wayne's favourite movie? So um, how many nipple tassels do you give this out of five? I'm going to give this, um, I'm going to give this 2.5 nipple tassels. And, and the, the 0.5 comes from the redeeming scene with Miss Ballbreaker wanting to do a penis lineup. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I, I think I agree with you. I think it's right down the middle here. Um, it was probably the, my first experience of full frontal nudity um, in any movie that I saw, which was, you know, obviously jarring and, and confusing and, and what have you. Um, and I probably would have rated it lower before I watched it again. But I think actually some of the stuff in there was quite humorous. I did like the prank stuff. Um, and, you know, they, it did have some heart. They were good friends. And, you know, you did start to actually quite like these characters even the ones that were a bit uh, a bit of a dick. So uh, overall, if you can get hold of it, it might be worth a watch and just, uh, you know, just to experience it because it has a whole kind of mythology around it and this type of movie, this kind of sexual exploitation movies that were so prevalent at the time. So worth checking out, I think. Right, well, Mike, I think that's all we've got time for tonight. So thank you for joining me again. To everybody out there, let us know what you thought of the movie. It's still available on our social media channels, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Drop us a line and let us know what your thoughts are. And uh, we'll be back for another episode very soon and another character's favourite movie. Until then, Mike? Yap like Lassie. Bad Scripts was written and performed by Mike Garlier and Steve Jones, a Beach Tide production.